Good morning, and welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 WDWS. For over 60 years, East Central Illinois' daily gathering spot for conversation, dialogue, and ideas. You can join in on the phone, online, or via a text. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Email talk at WDWS.com or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here's Brian Barnhart. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to a Friday morning here in downtown Champaign. Overcast, cold. Here as we work our way to Christmas, which is early next week. Winter officially arrives later today, just after 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Kind of feels like winter out there today with a chance of sprinkles and um, we'll see if we get any snow. It doesn't look like it. Maybe a few flurries today. We'll see. Glad you're with us. However, wherever you might be listening today on A Penny for Your Thoughts, my last day on the air until next Wednesday, at least on the air in this room. Of course, we'll be at the Missouri game tomorrow night at 7 for the Bragging Rights game. We'll talk about that during the course of this hour. A lot of great memories from that game. Of course, the national news in Washington, D.C., all the cable channels, all of the political experts, everybody's in complete meltdown out in D.C. Chaos, I tell you, chaos. Senate passes that continuing resolution, and the president says he won't sign it. The House passes a $5.7 billion addendum uh, amendment to the uh, to a bill on their end for a wall. That gets sent to the Senate. Senate needs 60 votes to get that. This is all just for a continuing resolution. The stock market dropped nearly 500 points yesterday. Now, today it's been up a couple hundred at times. Uh, the president announcing that uh, the U.S. is pulling troops out of Syria. Also, potentially, it looks like, maybe some out of Afghanistan as well, if not all of them, eventually. The Defense Secretary, Jim Mattis, late in the day, says he's going to resign in February. So, uh, boy, that was a big, big news day there in Washington yesterday. Unit 4 construction process hitting high gear, mostly uh, demolition right now, knocking down a lot of buildings. If you've driven around University Avenue, around Champaign Central and so forth, you'll see a lot of that. You'll say, wait a minute, where'd that building go? So uh, all of that continues. Of course, the Bragging Rights game will be headed down later today for that. The team leaves this afternoon to do a quick shoot-around uh, at the, uh, I guess it's the Enterprise Center now in downtown St. Louis, the old Scott Trade Center, same place, different name. Today, the uh, News Gazette with a great uh, series of photos and stories. I think Colin Likas did the story on the 25th anniversary of the 1993 Triple Overtime 108-107 Kiwan Garris game from 25 years ago. Lanai women, their own bragging rights game today against Missouri. This one, though, in Champaign. It'll be at noon today. Dave Lone, who's been busy with volleyball, took some time off, and he's back today for the broadcast at noon here on this here radio station. This is the day basketball was invented. There was a border dispute between Champaign and Urbana 50 years ago today. If you want to send along any Christmas wishes, you can do that to our fellow audience members here as we... Uh, this is the last day. I'm going to go Christmas Eve on Monday, and winter officially arrives later today. So all of that to talk about. We'll get to it all. Your phone calls, emails, and texts next on Penny for Your Thoughts. We'll soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give 
We are back. Penny for your thoughts. News Talk 1400 DWS here on this uh, Friday morning, December 21. 356-9397 is our phone number. You can text us. Castle Heating and Cooling text line. Present that every day. 3515357. You can email us. Talk at WDWS.com. All right, let's get started here. Jim is our leadoff hitter. Hey, Jim, how are you? Hey, good morning, Brian. Thanks um, for getting me. Oh, good. Hey, I, my thing here is this hunt, this hundred, this one oh five billion or, or five billion. I'm sorry for mm-hmm. the wall is, is so much money that Pelosi and Schumer can't possibly see spending it. And these are the very same people who didn't have a problem in the world when their Messiah Obama dropped off a hundred and fifty billion in cash to some third world warlord. You know, just fill up a C-130 full of cash and drop it off in Tehran, and no one's got a problem with it. Just fine. And now, now it has nothing to do with the money, is my point. They want they want two things. They want to obstruct Obama, or I mean um, Trump, for any, any how they can. They want to obstruct Trump, and they want to keep, they want open borders. Why is it so important that we're the only country in the world with open borders is I just absolutely don't understand it. Well, and it's and, and, uh, and it was at I think at the last and we've had so many of these continuing continuing resolutions. I can't remember how it went, but it was the last time that Trump signed one of those. He was promised at the time by the I think the Republicans said, "Hey, the next time this comes up, you know, we're going to support you on the border wall." Right. And and then uh, you know there was all the, then the Senate appeared to be they passed it and it was like okay well I guess they're going to sign another one. And then uh, he pulled the rug out from under it. So yeah, well, half of the Republicans aren't Republican. <laughs> part of the problem, he's got no no help, and it's just it's just infuriating that that Pelosi and Schumer, you know, 150 billion will drop it off in cash, and 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 that's just fine. Nothing said about it. Everything's great, and then five for you know, it, it's just it's so transparent that it's not the money. Is my point. So you're for him just saying, "Hey, let's uh, let's get it done. Let's go ahead and do this, and uh, you know we're we're going to force it, force the issue." Absolutely, yeah. that was half the reason he got voted in. That was one of the biggest platforms he got voted in for. Yeah, I think that's, that's why there was, fault. and I think there was so much. That's why Jim, there was so much blowback when he when it appeared they were just going to pass another resolution because that right. was his central issue. I mean, it's I, I'm telling that's what got him elected. It was read my yeah. lips. Yeah. It was the same. And, and and he's getting no help. And these people, why do people, all these millennials think open borders is such a great idea. These are the people who have, they're either in academia or living in mom's basement. Most of them have, you know, most of these people that think open borders is just so great an idea have never put a penny into the economy. They're not seeing their treasures get spent on, you know, third world. It's just, it's just infuriating. All right. Hey, Jim, thanks hey, for your thoughts today. Merry Christmas. and uh, yeah, Merry Christmas to you, too, man. Yeah. Thanks a lot. All right. Have a good year. Appreciate it. Thanks. And go Illini against Missouri today and tomorrow. Women today, men tomorrow. Alan is here. Hi, Alan. Yeah, I'm sure you've uh, been waiting uh, breathlessly for my pregame assessment of tomorrow. <laughs> yes, I have. I was. I thought, when, when is he going to call? Well, I have. Uh, i got a couple of different things. About the game, mm-hmm. I see where Jared Tillman had his best game the other night. He and, did. Uh, in my opinion, him and Mark Smith, we have to keep down around their average or below average to really have much of a shot 
to beat them because if they have a couple of really good games, I don't think we can. Well, you're probably right, and and you're right about uh, Tillman. He had 23 points, 10 rebounds the other day. They say it was probably his best game that he's played, if not obviously this year, but maybe in his short career. Yeah, um, it was, I'm sure, because he stayed out of foul trouble. That's one big thing. Uh, On our side, of course, we have to have pretty good games from, I think, Frazier and Nichols. But the key player to me has to be – Io DeSumo or somebody like that to really have an extra good game for us to have a good chance. I don't know how good the guards are anymore. Um, I know Mark Smith is an upgrade, but mm-hmm. that's how we killed them last year. Their guards were terrible last year, and we just killed them. Yeah, and took, I'm sure took, they're probably better. Yep, took them out of everything they wanted to run. I remember that. Yeah. No, and, oh, right. I, and I think Io's a key, as you said, Alan, and I think uh, Georgie staying out of foul trouble. I mean, I think that's a real key, too. It could be, or maybe we can get continued help from uh, Sam McCain, too. That would help. I think those are all great points. Thanks, Alan. Go get them. Yep, appreciate it. Yep, headed down to St. Louis later today. Three five six nine three nine seven. The team will head down there. And then it's always interesting because after the game, this has been the, the case usually over the years, uh, When and I'm not riding the bus back this time, but usually riding the bus back after that game, you might have six or seven of us on the bus because the players would tend to scatter. They would go home for Christmas, various places, and then all reassemble back at midweek for the game usually between Christmas and New Year's. We'll see what they do this time. But uh, Back to the phones here to uh, Rick. Hi, Rick. How do you do? How do you do? Do you? Uh, Merry Christmas and happy holidays. And second, and I'll hang up after I ask you this question, refresh me of my civics class. What is the nuclear option and how does that work? Okay. In the Senate. All right. Hey, thank you. All right. Appreciate it, Rick. Well, the answer, and I'm going to have to look it up to make sure, but it has to do with um, fiscal whether it's related to the budget or monetary matters or uh, what is it, reconciliation, there's all fancy terms. So we've got a couple of young men who deal with that, one in particular who's a legislative director out in the Senate. Maybe he can help me with it too when he gets here. But yeah, more has to do with the number of votes required to pass certain types of legislation. Sometimes you need just a majority, 51-49, or 50-50 with a vice president breaking the tie, but in some reconciliation or budget matters, uh, or up until recently with judges. Now, that was changed uh, from 60 votes to 51. It had to do with a filibuster, uh, being able to stop a filibuster and so forth. So that's kind of how it all ties in. I, I can't remember distinctly which legislation pieces need 60 and which only need 51. But that's when they say the nuclear option, they're saying going from requiring 60 votes to only a simple majority. Most of us that are out there that don't do this, you know, that don't play the politics game are thinking, well, shouldn't it be 51-49 for everything? I mean, majority rules, right? But uh, the Senate has kind of their own rules, and the House has all kinds of rules on different things in the House of Representatives. That's the best that I can come up with. Hope that helps. Hey, let's go to Charlie. Good morning, Charlie. Hi. Hey. Brian. How are you? I didn't hear it click in. Um, I'm good. I just called to um, 
correct the the last gentleman who referred back to our repatriation of Iranian money to Iran. And I, I just need to set the record straight because too many people get this messed up. It the $155 billion that Obama gave back to them, and I'm no friend of that, but the point is, is that was their money. And we had frozen those assets. And so basically what he did was give them their money back that we had had frozen in banks over here. And that was part of the Iran um, um, treaty, the nuclear nuclear yeah. weapons treaty? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so we froze the assets, and when we cut the agreement, part of the agreement was to give them that frozen money back. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, okay. thank you, thank sir. You. Appreciate it, Charlie. Yeah, thanks for uh, working through us with on that. All right, uh, just in from the newsroom, a string of attacks this year on I-74 that terrorized residents has resulted in a two-and-a-half-year prison sentence. For the Wisconsin trucker who's responsible, Judge Roger Weber this morning also ordered 53-year-old Kevin Casey. This is a guy with a slingshot, right? Yes. Pay a hefty sum to the people he injured and whose vehicles he damaged, $6,000. Casey learned his sentence just after pleading guilty to aggravated battery. State police began investigating the crimes in March. They say Casey used a slingshot to fire metal ball bearings from his semi-truck at vehicles on I-74 in Champaign, Vermilion, Pied, and DeWitt counties in several cases. Passengers were injured by broken window glass. So that in just uh, moments ago from our newsroom, two-and-a-half-year sentence for the uh, slingshot guy is what we were calling him during the course of the summer. And that got to be pretty scary. 53-year-old Kevin Casey. Hey, if you want to get your best sleep ever, part of getting enough sleep is getting quality sleep. That's from Big Mike Namoff and Christy Lynn Powell. Powell is the manager at uh, Snooze. Luxury mattress shop, of course, Big Mike Namoff. Everybody knows Mike and all the charitable work he's done in our community and how involved he's been, and you've seen him all over television. Their uh, passion for sleep comes from a zest for life, balance, and giving, according to Big Mike. He's been in the business of mattresses for 30 years, but this is at Furniture. Now combining the two with Snooze Luxury Mattress Shop, big thing there is when you walk in, they have this reveal machine. It'll it'll lay you lay down. It'll right there on the screen. It'll show you where all your pressure points are. You having trouble because your neck gets sore, your abdominal muscles. You strain those. You sleep on your back. Your neck hurts. Maybe you don't have the right pillow. They've got a wall of pillows. The great wall of pillows. This is a story you won't find anywhere else around here. I mean, this a lot of great people doing this out there, but this is unlike anything else, which makes them a step above at uh, Snooze Luxury Mattress Shop the Country Fair Shopping Center in Champaign. Say hi to Big Mike and his team. Check out the pillows. Check out the mattresses. Don't go in there and just lay down on a mattress and say that. They won't let you do that anyway. I mean, you're spending how much of your life sleeping. You need to make sure you get it done right. So check it out. To Snooze Luxury Mattress Shop, one of our sponsors here, Country Fair Shopping Center, Springfield and Mattis in Champaign. A texter says President Trump was going to make uh, Mexico pay for the wall. That was the... Yes, that was a campaign promise, or at least one that he mentioned on the campaign trail. There was a couple of different things I think that got him elected. One was the immigration issue, which was a big one, because nobody else uh, was willing really to, they kind of talked around it, comprehensive immigration reform and all the different things that have been tried, but he was the one that went right to the where the rubber met the road, and a lot of people liked that idea. 
and that was a key issue for him. And then the other one had to do with some of those Rust Belt states, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Ohio, uh, some of the uh, jobs that had been lost, whether it was coal industry or factories and trade issues and so forth. I mean, those were the two, in my mind, those are the two big things that got him elected. So whether that coalition of ideas or issues hangs together for 2020, we'll see. We're going to find out in a couple of years, and they're going to start on this pretty soon. I saw the uh, Democrats, I think, have scheduled like 12 or 15 debates starting in June of next year. So get ready for that. Let's go to Mark. Hey, Mark, good morning. Good morning. How are you today? And good. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you. Uh, I find it ironic that as you're talking about the breaking news about the truck driver who's throwing uh, ball bearings on I-74, that there was an article in the paper this morning talking about a major drug dealer who apparently was armed uh, with a shotgun uh, gets probation. Hmm. This was, if you remember, a uh, case in which there are three individuals uh, from Mexico who had come up and were selling cocaine in the campus town area. The police did their job, and when it came time to determine whether or not um, somebody goes to jail, one guy gets uh, not in jail because they, the state's attorney um, bollocked up the call or the uh, the court case, and they didn't bring him to trial fast enough. One guy's still awaiting uh, sentencing or determination, and the third gentleman yesterday gets probation uh, because somehow Judge Stefanis, even though this guy is carrying cocaine and a shotgun illegally, believes he's not a major drug dealer because he's sending small amounts of money back to his family in Mexico via Western Union. And, you know, everybody talks about the drug problem and the police should do more. Well, the police did do more. They made the rest. And now it's just a slap where, where the guy gets probation. And, and then at some point when the guy gets deported, we'll have the local social justice warriors come in and be all sad that, you know, we're splitting up a, an American family uh, because the child was born in the United States while this guy was in jail. Um, and he gets to, you know, the social justice warriors will be saying we're splitting up American families when we have an illegal uh, person selling drugs armed with a shotgun. And hmm. I think at some point, you know, the police must just be throwing their hands up and saying, what's the point? You know, they ask for 10 years and get probation. I think it's time that, that people need to, when it comes time for retention of judges, look to see how they're doing in terms of are they following what you want them to do mm. in terms of uh, the application of criminal justice. You know, we've got some truck driver that gets two and a half years for breaking windows on I-74. Yeah, I just so, think that's, I yeah. just think that, I just think, I just, you know, yes, the problem, the person on 74 was a problem. Not going to deny that people got hurt by shattered glass. Not going to say anything that, that, you know, the the police in that job did a good job. But who's the bigger issue here? Some guy selling major cocaine, you know, hmm. uh, probably selling for El Chapo, uh, the Sonolian, uh drug cartel, and instead... You know, we just give them probation and, and hope that the evil ICE folks come and deport them back to Mexico. Yeah, there's a lot of legal things I never quite understand. You know, I'm kind of like you. I always look at it, you know, pretty, you know, black and white, simple. It's either this or that. And uh, 
there may be some legal stuff in there that I don't that I don't know about. The judges now. One of the things that was mentioned in the article was he was in custody already for three hundred and some days. Okay. So and they asked, they asked ten years. So yeah. okay, he got out nine years early. Yeah. No. And, and again, that's not that's not you know the the prosecutor's fault. I mean, you know they uh, they may have been asking for continuances and everything else. But the bottom line is, people. Over and over and over, talk about the drug problem, the opiate problem. When the police do their job, the judiciary fails. Hmm. All right. Hey, good comparison. Thank you, Thank Mark. You. Yeah, Bye-bye. appreciate your thoughts. Thank you to the guy who corrected the record on the lie. The earlier caller made about $150 million in tax dollars going to Iran. Really disappointing that you didn't or were unable to push back on easily checked lies and conspiracies. Okay, I don't know what to say on that, but uh, it seems like uh, I have to go back and reread the story of how exactly that deal went down. I had forgotten that they were frozen assets. Okay, whether that's pushing back or just forgetting, it's probably as simple as just forgetting. Uh, John, how are you? I'm doing very good, Brad. How you doing? Good. I appreciate that guy clearing it up about the Iranian money. Yep. Because the amendment was... um, I think it was a private jet on a tarmac, and they was taking money off or whatever. Those was uh, some people from uh, Iran and Saudi Arabia that was wanting to build a new Trump Tower, and they didn't get it approved. All those people, that was just a hoax that that came about, and they said they were uh, we were giving them money. But I think America's going to be all right. You know, Mr. Trump knows more than the generals, and uh, I think we're going to be all right. I mean, it's just... We got a space force. We got uh, we got everything going for America, so we're going to be all right. All right, we just got to keep saying God bless America. Yeah, well, <laughs> especially this time of year. So, hey, it's it's going it's crazy right now. Uh, thank it's you, crazy. thank you, John. Take care. Appreciate the call. Caller off air said it was paid in unmarked cash. I guess talking about the Iranian money. Uh, the withdrawal of U.S. troops from Syria is needed because some people forget about the weak defense treaty Syria shares with Iran. Also, the U.S. Senate needs to end this supermajority nonsense. We're a democracy. Simple majority worked for the first 150 years. Uh, Merry Christmas. And also, good morning, Brian. You see the hear about the soldier that started a GoFundMe page for the wall and has $8 million raised, gets $1 million a day for the cause. 929 here at DWS. Uh, Tony's up next. Hey, Tony, good morning. Hey, good morning. I guess I have to check you, too, a little bit. Uh-oh. Uh, you, had said, you said a little bit ago that Trump mentioned building a wall in the campaign. Um, he mentioned it every time he spoke at every rally, so he did oh, sure. he did more than just mention it. Okay. Um, I think he screamed and yelled it. Um, <laughs> so, but okay. This thing about this thing about Mattis is very concerning. When a patriot like General Mad Dog Mattis that all the Republicans love can't um, nonsense anymore, is very telling um, that he's resigning. What do you think about that? Um, and when will these Republicans wake up and see that this is just a chaotic, crazy? And um, when will they stop supporting him? Well, they came pretty close a couple of days ago. Yesterday. With the uh, with the announcement that they were going to sign that, re- I mean, the, the, he never said he would sign it or wouldn't sign it initially, but the Senate resolution. But he got an earful on that from his base. So, and he, I think, he realized had he went ahead and gone along with that, that he would probably lose his base, and you would get and, your wish. And and it's funny because I'm 
anxious, because this is the way he, uh, the type of person he is. If he doesn't get this done today or by Monday in Washington, because yep. he wants to go to Florida, he may just give in just so he can go to Florida, because he doesn't care. I mean, he cares about Donald Trump, and that's it. So that's my opinion. Thank All right. You. Hey, thank you, Tony. Appreciate it. Uh, three five six nine three nine seven. A minute break here or two, maybe, and then Michael with the news coming up here at the bottom of the hour. We'll talk some more bragging rights here in a little bit. A lot about uh, the chaos in Washington. Back after this. And the Illini have it with just ten seconds on the clock. That is the key. Get it in Anderson right away into Bardo. Back it comes to Gill. Ken underneath to Smith. Play up is good by Larry Smith. 87, 84, one second. The game is over. Illinois has won. Illini win. Illini win. Illini win. There is bedlam on this court. Illinois maintains this mastery over Missouri. 87 to 84 in a sensational game. Jim Turpin on the call. Bragging rights game, 1988. 1988-89 season. And that was a memorable game. We'll be down there tomorrow night at 7. And, of course, our pregame coverage. Why not game day at 5.30 tomorrow? Here's Michael with the news. Here's Tracy. Two shots for Abrams. This one would tie it. It is good. Tied at 64. Tracy with 21. This would give Illinois the lead with 4.6 left. Second one for Tracy. In the air. It is good. 65-64, Missouri out of timeouts. And Illinois won that game, started what has become a five-game winning streak in the Bragging Rights game. Tracy Abrams, two free throws. Going for number six tomorrow night, 5.30, our game day coverage. We're on Penny for your thoughts. We'll have a, a couple of young men join us here in this second hour, two uh, University of Illinois graduates who I think you're going to hear a lot from in the years ahead. We're going to talk to them while their careers are young here, but Levante Brooks and Robert Emmons, tell you about them in the next hour. They're going to join us. We're on Penny for your thoughts. Uh, we had a texter asking about the uh, bowl game last night. I don't know which bowl game it was, but the uh, score was Marshall 38, South Florida 20. In case you're wondering, South Florida, I think the, what the team we played up in uh, Chicago earlier this year. All right, a text uh, from... Our text line, Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 3515357, says the president just tweeted out that Democrats now own the shutdown. Wasn't it Trump saying last week he could, or he would own the shutdown when sitting down with Nancy and Chuck? This guy can't stop lying. And uh, there's a reason those Iranian assets were frozen. Iran is the largest funder of terrorism in the world. Those pallets of cash we gave them already have been tracked to terrorists like Hezbollah. I went back and Googled, since we're talking about it, 2015 Iranian deal, the sanctions previously imposed by the U.N., the U.S., and the E.U. in an attempt to force Iran to halt uranium enrichment, cripple its economy, costing the country more than $160 billion in oil revenue. Under the deal, Iran gained access to more than $100 billion in assets frozen overseas and was able to resume selling oil in international markets and using the global financial system for trade. Should Iran violate any aspect of that deal, the U.N. sanctions will automatically snap back into place for 10 years with a possibility of a five-year extension. That was the deal from 2015. So there you go. All right. Uh, I, the folks at Fisher National Bank, Damian Spencer, 
He's worked with Steve and Pam Starwell at Keller Williams for 10 years. Damien's been in the mortgage lending business for over 20. We'll see how many open houses there are this weekend as we head into Christmas. But uh, certainly if you need to find out uh, what you're eligible to get as far as a mortgage, if you have no clue, you can find that out today. Give uh, Damien a call at Fisher National Bank. Here's the number, 217-239-7156. They'll get you in touch with Steve and Pam Starwalt. They, in turn, will line you up with Damian Spencer at Fisher National Bank. You can get the information to you right away. You can be armed with that information as you go out and about looking at different homes this weekend. Maybe you're upsizing. Maybe you're downsizing. doesn't matter. Uh, the information that you need to know can be uh, given to you and provided to you in a quick manner. They can do that very quickly these days. This stuff used to take a while, I think. They can do it now, today. Damian Spencer, Fisher National Bank, located at 1710 South Neal. And uh, they also have locations in Muhammad and Fisher, but uh, Damien is at the location on Neal Street, not far from here in Champaign. Contact Damien Spencer, Fisher National Bank, for any help when it comes to getting pre-approved for purchasing a home, how much you're pre-approved for, all of that financial info that you need to know. All right, uh, 356-9397 is how you can uh, join us here today. Let's go back to the phones. And Tiny, good morning, Tiny. Morning, Brian. Merry Christmas to you. Yeah, you too. I criticize you, but I, uh, I've i always criticized people I work with, my best buddy. You're doing a good job. I like you. But I got to want to talk about the wall again, and I want to, the main thing I want to talk about is uh, these people whining and crying about Trump bringing these boys back home. Uh, that's what he told us he'd do in the campaign. I bet you that none of these kids' mom and dads or their wives or their kids are mad at Trump for bringing them home. We've been in Afghanistan for 14 or 15 years, and I guess these people want him to stay over there forever. I guess the Army General, if you take everybody out of there, they won't have a job. I'm all for him bringing these people home. Get them out of that. Get them back home. Quit fighting these wars. And you can't straighten those people out if you was over there and had 10 million soldiers over there. The tribes, the Sunnis, and the whatever you want to call them, are, they've been there for, for you know, well, ever since uh, ever since it happened. <laughs> In the beginning of and time. Over there trying, yeah. uh, since the beginning of time. Why, yeah. yeah. And we're over there trying to straighten them out. We're not going to do it. Let's come on home. Trump said he's going to bring them home. Let's quit whining about things that are good for this country. The other thing I want to talk about, and I talked about the other day, is the wall. The guy said he didn't know why that uh, the Democrats didn't want the wall or did want the wall. It's because of the, they want to bring these people in and vote, all the Latinos. And, uh, I said the other day, Mexicans, well, everybody's coming into this country illegally. It's, we get, I get it in my head, it's just Mexicans. Well, it isn't. It's everybody. We don't want to make a third world country out of this place. I and there, and it's going to happen if we don't watch what we're doing. Well, we're kind of uh, seeing uh, else, we're, we're kind of seeing ahead. what's. I was going to say we're kind of seeing what's happening in Europe. You know, with uh, you know they've been overrun well, by, yes. by a lot of folks coming in, and uh, you know the whole European Union idea is to basically have no borders. I mean, that's kind of the the idea, common market yeah. sort of thing. They kind of changed their mind, though, didn't they? Yeah, they have recently. Yeah. Yeah, they found out what it was. That's the same way with England. You know, London's overrun with uh, uh, 
not Mexicans, other people. Mm-hmm. Don't make any difference who it is. They don't need them. Those other people are run, the, in England are running that country now. Uh, but uh, it's all about politics. This is Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi are two of the biggest phonies that ever lived, and any any human being that ever looked at them, they're always whining. They're always negative. How would you like to go fishing with those two pounds? <laughs> you know, I wouldn't want to go fishing with them. I want to go fishing with somebody that wants to cooperate. Maybe bait my hook once in a while. These guys, you know, they, they, Chuck Schumer, he voted for this before. He's And he's also one of the bums that... Uh, Voted for this uh, housing deal, and I'm uh, a little short on memory, but I, you know, when they made the banks loan everybody money, mm-hmm. whoever whoever walked in the front door could get money to buy a house. That's part of what happened to our uh, recession when Obama took over. The, the Great Recession, yeah. Chuck Schumer was part of that, a big part of it. Hey, and all right. Nancy's. Yeah. I'm, I'm through. Go on. Oh, Don't no, I was going to say, no, I appreciate your call. And, uh, no, I mean, the politicians, uh, they say one thing one day and say something else the next. I mean, that's nothing new. I mean, that's yeah. that's been yeah, going on forever. And I, I'll tell you this. I, I'm i still uh, going to vote for Trump, and I know he isn't perfect, but I'm still going to vote for him. All right, sir. Hey, thank have you, a merry, mer- have a merry Christmas, okay? Same to you, buddy. All thank right, you. thank you. Yep, three five six nine three nine seven. Good morning, Brian. I agree with the caller, Mark. The state's attorney and the judge are not doing their jobs. Slap on the wrist for armed drug dealers. It amazes me that these two continue to be reelected. Dafanis has been feeding from the public trough long enough. He needs to go. I remember when he was the state's attorney, he was tough but fair. Now he's just the opposite. The police need to handle their calls, respond to shooting calls, and when no one wants to cooperate, just get in their cars and drive away, go home safely at the end of their shift to their family. Defonis needs to stick to wills and probate and put a judge in that appreciates the work of the police and will deal with these criminals. Judge Ford has no problem with putting people in jail for traffic, DUI, and other crimes. Many other good judges in the Sixth Circuit that could replace Tom Defonis. That's an email. Talk at WDWS.com. We're on Penny for your thoughts. Appreciate all the input today. Back in a moment with more here on Penny. All right, we're back, Penny, for your thoughts. News Talk 1400 DWS. A lot about the chaos in Washington, the wall, everything else. Of course, we always like the chaos and the excitement of the uh, bragging rights game. I found Jerry Hester on the line. Jerry Hester. <laughs> How's it going? How are you? I'm good. I good. still, uh, still has my seatbelt. I'm, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be I'll be down there. I won't be sitting next to you, but I uh, still may need it. Yeah, is, you're going to the game. Is it harder to watch it than play in it? Uh, oh, oh yes, most definitely. <laughs> well, you 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 saw that firsthand for ten years. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I couldn't. I can't sit still uh, for most games, but especially that one. That's uh, yeah. as you know, it's a lot of fun. What was your record in the bragging rights game? You remember? You, you don't want to know that, Brian. You don't want to know that. Not very good. No, no it was not very good. We. Uh, of my five years, we were two and three, so mm-hmm. we did not uh, did not fare too well, but uh, but had some good battles, and uh, you know, a part of that you know infamous game with uh, Kiwan uh, missing three free throws, but then uh, won a thrilling overtime game. So I did have some uh, some good memories. So did you play in that three overtime game? 
Yes, I did. Yeah. Yep. I did. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a big headline. Uh, they're remembering that from 25 years ago, the uh, game in uh, what 1993. So. Yes. And you were pretty sure he was going to make him, right? At least one. Oh yeah. I mean, he yeah. didn't. I mean, he was one of the lead. Well, I mean, now his career. I mean, he's one of the leading free throw shooters in Illinois history. Yeah. So, of course, everybody thought he'd uh, he'd at least make one. So it was a <laughs> tough situation and. Uh, you know, Kiwan and I are still very close, but we don't talk about it. That's right. Uh, Jer- Jerry Hester with us here for a couple minutes. Of course, was on the air with me for the broadcast for about a decade. Uh, as a player, for those of us who've never played in the game, what, what's it like on the court in this game? Uh, you know, it's, it's a lot like uh, a NCAA tournament game in the sense that every possession seems like there's a momentum shift uh, either one to one team or another team or if team make a couple plays in a row then it seems like they you know it's like a snowball effect but uh it's a very intense game uh it's very exciting uh as a player you know you come out early and you get go through shoot around and you're kind of relaxed and then you go in the coach talks to you and then you go out for the regular warm-up and then that's when you see most of the fans and that's when uh I, i don't think from my freshman year to the fifth year i was there and talking to new players that came everybody the one common theme was everybody got goosebumps when they went out there uh not just for the first time but every year you go out and you warm up and you go through starting lineups uh, you get goosebumps and you're, you're real pumped up ready to play is it hard to uh, in the first couple of minutes do you do you get alligator arms do you feel uh tense in the first couple minutes of the game yes no doubt yeah, yeah no doubt that's uh you definitely because you, you built it up and you know, and because of the time of year that it is, so it's, you know, it's usually you have that week off before because you're you're studying for finals, and but you don't have a game in between there. So everything is loading up to this one moment in this game, and everybody's talking about it. So uh, first couple of minutes, you're you're pent up and you're ready to run through a brick wall. So you make a lot of mistakes, and you know some teams have made a lot of mistakes early in that game, and it's understandably why. Former Illini Jerry Hester with us for a couple minutes. Uh, Doug Altenberger texted me this morning. He said, the fans and the energy pump you up as a player must be ready to match the intensity and be laser-focused. And he said, I expect Trent to play really well. He loves the big stage. Do you think that's true? I I could agree with you. I mean, Trent has had some big games, uh, and and he does like to to, to when, when the lights are the brightest, he, he does seem to perform perform the best. And uh, – you know, but that's something, you know, in his sophomore year that he's learning of being at the top of that uh, that uh, the scouting report consistently is that it's going to take a consistent effort uh, for 40 minutes to uh, to get it done. Do these young guys that come in as freshmen do they have any clue about what they're what to what they're about to walk into? No, not at all. You can watch <laughs> the game. You know, they they get you get recruited and you sit on the sideline and you're like, oh, I can't. You know, I've been there, so I know the atmosphere. No, you don't know because <laughs> until you actually step on the floor. And again, it's. It's even different from a Big Ten conference game, and those are tough. And just to have the excitement, uh, because it is a neutral site, you have both fan bases there. And so it's just a very intense game that uh, you can talk about it, shout it to to the top of the sky, but until you actually uh, experience it firsthand, you don't know. All right. Hey, thank you, Jerry. I appreciate it. All right. Well, I'll see you down there, and uh, hopefully Orange and Blue come out successful. All right. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Yep, go Illini. All right, uh, 9.56, back after this on Penny for Your Thoughts. We'll take a quick break before the uh, top of the hour in CBS News. 
957 here at DWS. Penny for your thoughts. Hopefully uh, Santa is uh, driving safely as he gets out and about. But if he has a collision of any kind, Gallo Miller Paint and Collision Repair can uh, fix his sleigh. They can fix your vehicle, too. Uh, they know having a car accident is a serious matter. Choosing the best collision repair specialist is also very serious. They know the collision repair business inside and out. In fact, Dave spent a number of years as an insurance adjuster before returning to his first love fixing cars. And before starting Gallo Miller, Bill successfully ran body shops at other notable businesses in the area. It's always a hassle to have your sleigh and or your vehicle uh, repaired. Free estimates are always offered. They're conveniently and centrally located in Champaign-Urbana, south side of I-74 between the Neal Street and Prospect Exits. Go to gallomiller.com for more information on the Gallo Miller Paint and Collision Repair, one of our sponsors. Thanks to them for being with us. My last day here today for this week, of course, being Friday. It will not be, of course, there will be a Christmas show on Monday, Christmas Eve. Ann Roten will be here. We'll have Christmas music all day on uh, Tuesday, and I'll be back with you on Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I'm uh, finding it harder, though, to find anybody that's going to be around next week at the station. A lot of people are taking next week off, as you might expect. But I'll be here uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Scott Beatty will be in for me on the 31st. And no show on January 1, and then back at it on January 2. By the way, we'll have uh, Scott Bennett, Democratic state senator, and his uncle, Tom Bennett, Republican House member in Springfield, just after the uh, first of the year, and we're working on some other things as well as we kick off the new year in 2019. A text says, bring the soldiers home and put one in every school in America. Protect our country. 959 here at DWS. A couple of young men I think you're going to enjoy hearing from. We'll have them next uh, in our next hour. You can continue with any texts or emails you want to send in. The news is next, the latest on everything happening in D.C. and elsewhere from CBS. WDWS Champaign-Urbana at 10 o'clock. It's the second hour of A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 WDWS. You can reach out to us on the phone at 217-356-9397. Email talk at WDWS.com or text on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here's Brian Barnhart. And welcome back. Hour number two of A Penny for Your Thoughts here on News Talk 1400 DWS on this last day of the week. We're at uh, Friday, December 21. And, of course, Illinois basketball tomorrow night down in St. Louis against the Missouri Tigers. We'll have Illinois women's basketball. I just saw Dave Lone a minute ago. He popped in the studio. He'll be uh, doing the women's game at noon today over at the State Farm Center. A couple of uh, young men are with us here in the studio. We'll tell you about them here in just a moment. I want to remind you that Busey reminds you the holiday uh, spending plans and information. They share, uh, share seven holiday spending tips to keep your wallet as fat and happy as the jolly old man himself. They say make a list and check it twice. Know in advance how many gifts to purchase. Be a bargain hunter from coupons to free shipping and deal hunting websites. They say to stick to your list. If you forget someone, add them to your budget and adjust the amount you spend on others. Uh, factor in other expenses like postage for cards and presents, greeting cards, etc. Review receipts from last year to anticipate costs this year. Save receipts this year for a reality check. All of that, uh, Busey committed to helping customers handle their hard-earned money responsibly while enjoying the holidays. Challenge yourself to be both meaningful and impactful with gifts. 
For more holiday spending tips, visit the Publications page in the Resource Center at Busey.com, 1-800-67-BUSEY. You can visit any Busey location. You can bump into one just about anywhere in town. A couple of young men, I call them up-and-comers because they've uh, already accomplished a lot in their young lives. And uh, one of them is uh, Levante Brooks. Uh, my wife and I have known Levante for several years now. Yeah. Levante, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thank Good. you for having Good. me. I think you actually uh, child sat yes. for us. Have you, had you ever uh, done anything like that before or since? Uh, since, yes. I've done it a couple of times <laughs> out in Washington, D.C., but yeah. uh, I think, well, maybe outside of my own siblings, nieces and nephews. <laughs> and you were a, uh, what year did you graduate from the University of Illinois? I graduated University of Illinois in 2015. All right. So and three your, years from me. And your degree was in? My degree was in agriculture and consumer economics mm -hmm. over in the, the great college of ASIS. And now you're working in Washington, D.C. We'll tell you tell folks about that in a moment. Also, you brought uh, Robert Emmons with you. Yes. I said Robert Emmons Jr. You go, you just you like the junior part, or you just I've been starting to go by junior. Yeah. Uh, my father hasn't been using senior, so I I had to go by junior. <laughs> we got to distinguish ourselves. Thanks anyway, for having us, Brian. Good to have you on. And what was uh, when did you graduate? Um, I ended up graduating from the University of Illinois in 2017, uh, mm -hmm. so about a year and a half ago, uh, with my degree in political science and liberal arts and sciences. Mm -hmm. And you two met uh, what? He was your RA. Uh, you. Yeah, so I guess he babysat me too. So I guess he had some experience <laughs> in that in that regard. So well, we met in twenty thirteen. It's actually so what happened. So I met my I was a resident advisor my sophomore year. That's when we began being resident advisors. He was my resident, literally in the in the uh, uh, dorm room right next to mine. Really, and so he was playing mm -hmm. music, and I just like his door was wide open. I just walked in, and it was Robert and I guess one of your friends who was helping to move him in hmm. and like I introduced myself and I was like yeah uh, can you turn the music down some as well <laughs> and then <laughs> which is like after that like our friendship has been pretty less than as you know as far away as all we you know we've both traveled yeah. it's been, been a pretty solid relationship and what residence hall were you guys in you remember uh, where you met? Wardall Hall over yeah. in Illinois Street Residence Hall Illinois Street mm -hmm. Residence yeah. Hall yeah good old Urbana yeah <laughs> <laughs> Levante Brooks is with us. Uh, he is an assistant to the legislative director, legislative correspondent at the United States Senate. Yes. Boy, explain what that is. So it's it's one of those dual roles. So the assistant to the legislative director, uh, I pretty much follow all the floor procedures, everything that happens on the Senate floor. Uh, so when we have votes, for example, I am responsible for tallying all those votes and disseminating that information to our senator, the chief of staff, legislative director, and Mm. Everyone else who sort of plays a, a good role in there. Yeah. Now, um, there, there's a lot of votes taking place in Washington, D.C., but uh, obviously you're counting them from afar here. Yes, so. I got out of there. Uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes it's it's good to take a break and come back to where you can breathe a sigh of relief. Yeah. And you've also worked to give us some of the other things you've done along the because you were a, a page in the House, right, the White House? Or they, I mean, it, the House of Representatives. House of, yes. Yeah. That was in 2010. When I was a junior in high school, that's when you can only be a page, either in the House or in the Senate. Hmm. Uh, the House program, though, has been discontinued. So right now, the Senate page program is the only program that is currently up and running, hmm. uh, only for sophomores in high school. And you essentially, you serve as like what I call like an intern for the actual floor. So you're at the disposal of all the members. So you don't work for one specific member. Hmm. You work for the entire body. And it consists of like running messages, delivering flags, uh, assisting the members on the floor if they're giving presentations. Um, but like the the biggest 
I think in my opinion, uh, the most rewarding experience is just physically being present on the floor because mm. the pages, they hear everything that we cannot hear. So the folks who are not on the floor, so they see the negotiations mm. as it happens. So they hear it word from word. We can only see it like physically through the television. It doesn't have any sound. So we can only physically see it. Right. Uh, but the pages, they have that, that mm. unique insight, mm. uh, that raw insight that mm. just no one else can possibly get on the senate floor and robert uh, emmons jr yes you, uh what are you doing these days yeah so i do i feel like i do too much uh some, <laughs> sometimes i need to sit down uh but I, I formerly worked at a national college access program known as a one goal um, as the manager of program innovation uh, it was my job to uh help develop and implement uh, inter- uh, intrusive interventions uh, to deploy to our students in Chicago. Um, and I also consult with the Obama Foundation um, with their previous community leadership corps. Um, and in th- that role, uh, it was my job to help mentor and train the next generation of, of social on- uh, innov- uh, innovators mm-hmm. within Chicago. Um, and what we did, we, t- we helped them take them through the design process uh, to actually begin to solve some of the problems that they could identify in their community. Uh, and then I also consult with this international innovation lab known as Unleash, um, in which we we uh, focus on the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Mm. Uh, so we bring together 1,000 young people from around the world uh, <laughs> once once per year. Um, and we also take them through the design process um, all the way from research to evaluation. Uh, and, they, and these are young people that just met, and they're developing mm. uh, problems to solve some of the most conflict uh, uh, complex conflicts in the world. Uh, and uh, we bring them together, uh, and they pitch their ideas uh, to mm. potential stakeholders. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, mainly I, I specialize in social innovation uh, mm. and, and beginning solving some of the world's conflicts. Mm-hmm. Sounds a lot better than what I do. No, that's just all <laughs> jargon. I don't do anything. <laughs> we have two young men, two University of Illinois graduates. Uh, now, you both grew up in Chicago, right? Yes. Tell us where and give us a little of your background, Levante. So I grew up in Inglewood, which is on the south side of Chicago. Mm. Um, I famously always say uh, we got folks like, you know, Jennifer Hudson, Dwayne Wade, some some of those folks who were able to come out of the uh, south side. Mm-hmm. And I've lived there my entire life, Every, all the way up until I came to yeah. University of Illinois. My mother still lives there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have five other siblings. I do have a twin sister. Um, her name's Shavante, so very similar. It's always easy to get us confused. Um, and yeah, my, my just my entire upbringing has been in yeah. the Inglewood community. Yeah. And now, when people hear that, they know that's that's a tough community, right? In Chicago, is it? Yes, mm-hmm. uh, but I I always sort of you know look at it sort of on the other side as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you do have a lot of inequalities that you know are there in the community mm-hmm. um but all the other things that go unreported mm-hmm. uh which are a lot of the, the things that i like to shine light on so there's right. a lot of the community organizations that do a lot of great work uh to develop a lot of young folks who are coming up mm-hmm. uh ones that provide after school programs that you probably can't find like in the cps uh schools um but also just development career oriented programs so you mm-hmm. find a lot of that a lot of arts driven work as well mm-hmm. um and so it's one of those things that you know it's a mold you know, you have the good things that mold you, also some of the things that are a bit tough that you have to figure out how to understand, how to, you know, improve upon those things in the future. Uh, but, yeah, it's I, I love it. You know, the, mm-hmm. it's, it's home. It's yeah. home. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's for sure. Like, yeah. And the sol- I embrace it. Yeah. And and the solutions are within the community. And I love yeah. I love I love the point that you're making. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And where'd you grow up, Robert? Um, I grew up in Mays Landing, New Jersey, actually. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> I grew up to, uh, in Mays Landing, New Jersey. Uh, my family's originally from the south side of Chicago, in which I moved to south side of Chicago uh, during my sophomore year of high school. And that's the Chicago south side, uh, like, like Levante. I went to school at Perspective Charter School of Technology. Um, and uh, that's, that's really where I got my start um, in civic engagement. Uh, and social innovation um, and really just community uh, advocacy, uh, just like to Levante's point, it's like going around our communities and, and you, can, you, you can choose what, uh, how, to, how to look at our communities. You can look at it from a, uh, from a lens of deficit, uh, the gun violence, uh, 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 an over, uh, oversaturation of uh, folks that are getting incarcerated. Uh, or you can look at it from a lens of from the asset. There's there's so much beauty. There's uh, there's opportunity in the arts, uh, and we have, we have uh, organizations that are doing great work uh, on on the ground. Um, there's there's way more good things going on uh, on the south and west sides of Chicago uh, than what the media would often yeah. portray. Um, but so I'm so glad Levante uh, and, and you and you Brian brought that up. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, because you know the people here, and it's it's true of any community. I mean sometimes. It's easy to be negative. People, okay. people immediately focus on the negative of any community. Well, I don't like this, and I don't like that. And But I think you guys offer, having been in that part of Chicago and offering solutions because you know what the needs are. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I mean, you can see it probably anytime you turn on the television. You may always see a lot of the, the not-so-good stuff going on rather than constant mm-hmm. highlighting of all of the, the positive stuff. Or maybe like those, you know, two-minute segments where there is a highlight, but it's mm-hmm. towards the tail end. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes it often goes overlooked. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Well, we have two bright young men here who are going to do big things, I think. Uh, Robert Emmons, and uh, he is uh, uh, working with the Obama Foundation as a consultant. I uh, mentioned the manager of program innovation at One Goal. Mm-hmm. And we've got Levante Brooks, who works out in uh, D.C. in the uh, Senate. We'll talk some more with these young men and continue our discussion, kind of their background and maybe current politics, what they think about uh, at their age. They're a lot younger than I am. They can tell (laughs) us what they're thinking about. Uh, Back after this on Penny. Any for your thoughts, 1026 here at DWS, visiting with uh, Robert Emmons Jr. and Levante Brooks, a young man who have been, uh, well, I, I guess Robert grew up in New Jersey, but he came to the south side of Chicago. We've got Levante Brooks, who grew up in Englewood, and they both graduated from the University of Illinois. They're both involved in uh, policy or politics in uh, one form or another. Now, uh, Levante, uh, you worked or, for, uh, was it Diane Feinstein at yeah, one point? Cur- currently still. Yeah, st- currently still. Yes. Okay. So what's that like? It is, it is, uh, it's amazing. Um, I'll tell you this. A lot of folks, and you'll probably see like a lot of like the, the media reports where they mm-hmm. say, oh, uh, you know, a lot of constituents, a lot of, you know, just citizens of America don't have that much, you know, trust in the, the you know, process or into the, like the politicians. And I get it. You know, I can, I can see it being, <laughs> being on the other side. Yeah. Um, but. For me, someone who works there, who truly cares about the work that I do, it's one of like the best things that I could have done currently, and I get most of my like satisfaction from like the the folks that I meet with, student groups. I meet mm-hmm. with a lot of the student groups, so you have like 
groups that do a lot of civic engagement. So they bring a lot mm-hmm. of folks to Washington, D.C. to learn a little bit more about uh, the you know, federal government, the process. And that is where I take the most pride because I can educate uh, mm-hmm. a lot of like high school. These are mostly high schoolers mm-hmm. <laughs> about uh, what I do, what it is, how the Senate works. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just one of the best things outside of all of the, you know, crazy mm-hmm. uh, shenanigans yeah, that do, go on. Do you, do you find that most people uh, probably don't know how the I mean, they think they might know how the Senate works, but maybe they might be surprised that it works a lot differently than people think. Would that be? It does work Somewhat a lot differently. Accurate. It is, that, that is accurate. I'll, I'll try to do this in like 10 seconds and tell you what may happen. Uh, generally, like the senator, people think, oh, go there, introduce a bill, pass the bill, vote up or down on a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Uh, that is what happens in like a very small lens. So you have, before they like introducing a bill, I say I want to introduce a bill, I have to like work on it. I have to get like scores on it. Like, and, like if this is going to cost me money, I have to figure out how much it's going to cost. I have to go through like a lot of research way before and mm-hmm. before even introducing mm-hmm. anything. I have to get support from outside organizations who work on specific issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they approve or disapprove or if they think that language needs to be changed uh, to be more impactful. Uh, so all of that takes place behind closed doors before folks even see it. Then you get it introduced. After it's introduced, you still have to work it. Mm-hmm. You have to get it passed through committees. So everything goes through committees. Uh, so, for example, if I, well, if my boss wanted to introduce a bill on uh, opioids, mm-hmm. that would have to go through the Judiciary Committee, and it would have to get passed out of Judiciary Committee before mm-hmm. it even reaches the full floor mm-hmm. for a vote. And in there, you have a lot of amendments that are being passed, so things to either strengthen the bill or weaken the bill. So there's a lot of, like, you know, you know, riff and rap going on yeah. behind closed doors. Then, yeah. you know, you sort of get through, fast forward in a bit to the actual four votes um, where at that point you still don't know if it may pass or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it may, uh, and then you pass it. But then it has to get passed in the House, the same exact version. So although it passed out of the Senate, it still has to get passed out of the House. Every bill that's signed into law has to be passed by both chambers, uh, both chambers, and it has to be the same exact bill. Mm-hmm. So if there's a change that the House may make, it has to come mm-hmm. back to the Senate. I mean, you kind of see that going on right now Which with the continuing. Yeah, yeah right. you that's see that going, going on right, right now. now. Yeah, sure. And uh, Robert, is it something you're, you enjoy the nitty gritty of what he's talking about? I mean, yes. Bill's the, that kind of you're a political science major. Yeah, so. but a lot of a lot, I guess how I approach the work um, is slightly different uh, than Levante. I think Levante. Uh, um, you touched on it. You've uh, decided to work more with like political leaders um, and more on the legislative side um, of of policy. Um, I decided to work on it more of, uh, from a, on the social standpoint of it um, and doing more community work. Um, so it's a little different, and I, I and I do start off similar to you. I, we start off in the design with the design process by doing the research, by diving into community, doing human centered, uh, qualitative and quantitative uh, collection. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go from there. Uh, so I, 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 while I was down here in Champaign, I did a lot of work on more of like the issues and the topics uh, rather than the legislative, uh, legislation itself. Um, so I worked with this organization ne- called Next Generation Climate um, in 2016 uh, to help get uh, the plastic bag tax uh, uh, passed in Cook County. And that work started uh, with us doing research to, uh, to determine what are some of the some of the the main reasons uh, for uh, pollution within our oceans, and we looked at plastic bags uh, as as a major uh, hurdle that we need to overcome. 
Um, and then from there, we were like, what can we do to prevent uh, mass consumption of, of plastic bags? And we were like, mm. we, can, we can put another barrier in right. place uh, to, to make us double think. And, and in uh, a way, they are connected because yeah. what, you, what you see oh, or yeah, what you yeah. worked on at the street level, right. whether it's here or in Chicago or wherever, and then that eventually makes its way to a bill oh, that, that Levante deals with. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, so it's, it's all intertwined. Yeah. Uh, then that's where I think we would see the greatest, you know, at least our greatest potential uh, as a democracy here in America, where you see the efforts mm-hmm. like back in the communities, back at the local level, you see, you know, folks being engaged, uh, showing up to town hall meetings, giving input into how they want their community to turn out to be. And then you see that also back in Washington, D.C., where you've sent your elected officials to also fight for you uh, on those behalves and have those same sort of uh, ideas that you'd bring to the table. So it, it's one of those things where it has to happen, you know, back in the local, back on the grounds, but also in Washington, D.C. In conjunction with one another. Yeah, right. Levante Brooks and Robert Emmons Jr. with us here today on Penny. We've got the news with Michael Kaiser, 1033. Come back with more with these uh, two gentlemen after the news, and uh, we'll continue with your texts and emails, too, if you want to send those in. Back after this. Frazier with 21. Second one coming up. 69-62, Illinois. Up and got it. And then he slams it shut. 70-62, yeah. Illinois. 5-4-3. Harris with a slam with two. Doesn't matter. 70-64. The Illini are going to win it again. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. There you go. Led by Trent Frazier with 22. A bragging rights uh, play there. You guys uh, were visiting here with Levante Brooks and uh, Robert Emmons Jr., both graduates, University of Illinois. Did you go to any basketball games? Or did you have time to even do that when you were here? I went to very few. Yeah? Uh, I Actually, I think my very first game was, uh, I, you know what, I can't even remember the team we played, uh, but... It so was not my many. sophomore year. Yeah. Not many. Not many. Not many. You, invited, you, you invited me to one, uh, which we sat at in the Oh, the that, that was the one box. In, the, in the vice chancellor's seat. Yeah, so that that one I do remember. I just cannot remember who we played. And I don't recall <laughs> if we won or if we lost. We won, for sure. We always win. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're uh, with these two young men who, uh, of course, uh, are doing already jumping right into uh, the political world and different things. Uh, let me ask you, both either one of you guys interested in getting into politics as far as running or office? I mean, is that down the road? I mean, you guys are still pretty young, but are you, yeah. you think that's possible down the road? <laughs> I Can I just have a question mark on that one? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I think it's like being there, it's daunting, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you you see all of the, the, the things that members have to go through. Uh, outside of like actually running, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like a lot of time that you have to commit to it. Uh, and you have to want to go into it for the right reasons. Um, you have to have a pretty strong uh, foundation to be able to take a lot of things that mm-hmm. come at you. Uh, so I, w- I, w- I will not say no, mm-hmm. but uh, I think I enjoy mm-hmm. sort of being behind the scenes of mm-hmm. things. What about yeah. you, Robert? And similar to Levante, I think you, you touched on a really good point um, and a lesson in which I had to learn, uh, even though I'm relatively young, when I was younger. <laughs> um, and it's the, and it, Barack Obama talks about it, and it's, a, it's about focusing on the why. Um, so like the, the, and like, the, like the what do you want to do for your community rather than the who do you want to be. 
so that's what I've been doing over the last couple of years is just focusing on those why, uh, building my passions up um, and diving into the community and really understanding uh, the needs and, um, and evaluating myself to make sure uh, that I'm giving the community uh, the, the best version of me uh, relative to my, my skill set. So to answer your question, I guess more directly, um, is uh, I think I'll, I'll be exploring um, mm-hmm. a, a, a run for office relatively soon because uh, I have done that internal work um, in myself, and I have looked at the community and said, like, yeah, I think I think my skill sets could benefit uh, my community in a positive way. One of your uh, photos here on LinkedIn, I saw you're shaking hands with the former president. Yeah. Uh, do you interact? Do you have you met him a few times? Do yeah. you interact with him at all? Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I just wanted to, a, a, a small disclaimer that everything I say is uh, the the views of, of my own and not the foundation in any way. Uh, but I have had it. With my interaction with the foundation, I have had interactions uh, with with the pres- uh, the former president of the United States. Um, mm-hmm. We've met about three times. He probably doesn't remember who I am, <laughs> but I definitely know who he is. Uh, each time I I I guess meet him, <laughs> uh, I, I I feel like it's the very first time. Um, it's just, uh, someone that you uh, not idolize, but someone I have admired um, mm-hmm. for for a very long time. I moved to Chicago uh, during his presidential run <laughs> in twenty seven right? and. and in 2007, and that's before I, I got in, involved in any type of politics. Mm-hmm. Um, so to see someone that that looks like me uh, from the communities that I, I have uh, that have adopted me, um, it was inspiring. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Each each and every time I I, I see him um, and interact with him in any any way, uh, it, it reminds me of of hope and change. Uh, in particular, mm-hmm. what we can do with our community. And yeah, Obante, were you similarly inspired as a young man oh, yeah. by President I, Obama? I, I I did not get inspired by President Obama. Actually, until, well, it, it was during his, his campaign. Uh, I couldn't vote <laughs> uh, because I was still in high school. Um, but that is when uh, that sort of initial interest in what the political realm looks like, what working in federal government, or at least just being civically involved, what that looks like. Um, I'd say, like, when I was a page, a congressional page, it was actually 2010. So he did his very first State of the Union address that year. And uh, remember, he was like sworn in in 2009. Right. Um, and then generally the actual State of the Union that is done the following year. Uh, and so that was the very first time he gave his pres- uh, State of the Union address. And you I was present. Room. You were in the yeah. room for that. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, you know, I stuck my hand out there because all the pages – uh, both the House and the Senate pages were allowed to be on the House floor with all the other members, the Supreme Court justices, and uh, just everyone else. They were just the room was filled, and when uh, they announced the president was coming in, you know, it's like, you know, jam packed right there at the entryway, and I just like you know stuck my hand out there. You know, I wasn't able to get there, you know, quicker than about four of my other page colleagues, so they like sort of barricaded the front where uh, they really got that FaceTime with the president, but, you know, it was just... Yeah. Well, great. I know when I was, uh, you know, for a little kid from a little farm town here in Tolono, just south of here, uh, doing Major League Baseball, I'd look around sometimes and go, wow, what am I doing here? Did you have that kind of awe being in the House chamber with a, oh, yeah. a State of the Union address? I had it then, but I, I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, it didn't really sink in as to what that moment was and what it felt like until years later. Mm. Um, 
And I think that was just from me just being a young kid, not really understanding the magnitude of moments like that and just how many political figures were in the room. Uh, and it's the same when, like, I mean, today, present, you know, I literally when I walk home, walk past Capitol Building, walk past Supreme Court, walk past Library of Congress. Uh, <laughs> and it's like one of those things where it's like, there are some nights when it's just one of the most beautiful sceneries that you can like imagine. Uh, and then you just have to take that step back and be like, wow. you know, yep. this is the space I work in, which I never would have thought about. Wow. Well, while I was here, right. <laughs> here in college, <laughs> but, right. you know, and so it's, it's definitely, you know, yeah. it's just beautiful. Got a uh, text in says, in your guys' opinion, would government work better from the grassroots up for the people? Absolutely. Uh, for, uh, for, for my work as a social innovator, it's always important to ground yourself in human-centered design. Uh, human, excuse me, human-centered design. Uh, and to start there, you start with the people uh, by collecting data and listening to stories uh, and allowing that to inform uh, policy. Government officials should be representative of, of the interests of the people, uh, not their own in, uh, uh, ambitions or self-interest. Yeah, and I agree. Um, it's one of those things where, you know, I think the more folks who are involved, especially at home, at the grassroots level, uh, the, the more effective your members will be, the more responsive your members will be. And I think uh, uh, the decisions that, well, the votes that your members cast will be more reflective of the districts that they represent. And so it's one of those where uh, I think the grassroots gain, while it is improving, I think we've seen that across the country, uh, grassroots efforts are just like improving drastically. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll see as, you know, we continue to age in years <laughs> with this country uh, and what, what the, that activity looks like. And I also think it, it supports um, civic engagement in, in a cyclical fashion. Uh, if, if you're engaged on the grassroots level, you're more likely to engage your community and they're more likely to vote. Um, and that's what's been happening um, as time has progressed. And that's why millennials have been outvoting uh, any other generation um, in, in, in 2018. And I think it's going to continue to increase. Say, do you see that continuing with millennials? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and we're not getting any younger. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. We're, we're now, we're now uh, almost... I, I think we're now at the point where all millennials are eligible to vote. Um, in 2016, 60, uh, we were the, the second largest voting block. Um, in 2018, we're the, I believe we were the first vo- uh, lar- uh, largest voting block in the country, uh, millennials. Um, and I think that's only going to increase. Um, and the more we understand civic engagement uh, as, as being ab- about more than what happens in November or in February and more about what happens all year um, and holding our elected officials accountable, uh, You'll, you'll, we'll continue to see more uh, civic engagement. Hmm. Levante Brooks is with us. Robert Emmons Jr. We're back after this. Penny for your thoughts. News Talk 1400. The mood is right. The spirit's up. We're here tonight. And that's enough. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. All right, we are back, Penny, for your thoughts, visiting with um, two young men I think you're going to hear a lot from in the future, uh, two graduates of the University of Illinois, Robert Emmons, Jr. and Levante Brooks. They're both involved in uh, politics, one a political science major, one from the uh, College of Aces, who's working in Washington, D.C. Um, wanted to ask you uh, guys about the uh, future of politics uh, as you guys are millennials and get involved. What's, what do you think is the biggest issue the country faces from a political standpoint that you're going to see that as you get into this down the road is it uh, the financial stability of the country is it uh, 
some of the divisions we're having. Like, what, what's what do you think's gonna it's gonna be in the next ten years, Robert? You wanna? Oh man, <laughs> how's that for a so deep the, question? Yeah, that that's a very deep question. I was trying to align myself with with one particular issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was going on in my brain is like all these issues are so interconnected to one mm-hmm. another that yeah. it's it's really difficult to pick one. I would say the, the I guess one of the most urgent ones for uh, at least for or yeah. at least Urg- for urgent's a good word. Urgent. Yeah. One of the most urgent ones for me is uh, environmental protection. Uh, if, if we don't begin implementing known solutions uh, to address climate change now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, in 13 years, scientific organizations have already come out. The effects of climate change will be irreversible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's going to impact uh, the economy. That's going to impact jobs. Uh, that's going to impact uh, uh, violence. So it's that, again, all these issues are, are, so, are so connected, but the most urgent. Um, and I think the one that a lot of millennials will jump on uh, if, uh, extremely quickly is, is environmental protection. Yep, and uh, for me, may- maybe not an actual like policy, but it's more so just how we all uh, communicate with each other. So mm-hmm. you've mentioned the divisiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I do think that there has to be a level of compassion uh, amongst everyone across the entire political spectrum um, where we can't view things always as a one issue type mm. of thing. You know, we, we live in a community, well, you know, in a country where, I mean, it's so diverse, you right. know, and mm. it's one of those things where, like, one solution will never probably be the, the right answer or the perfect answer. So you always generally have to compromise. And that is where, like, you know, you can see a lot of things that get pulled away or a lot of things that get lost is because, you know, you have so many sticking points where most mm-hmm. folks don't want to compromise to try to get to that common good or, you know, no one's ever going to get everything that they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as long as we can all learn how to compromise and give a little here, give a little there, I mean, you'll begin to see a lot of things. I mean, you know, just, you know, be better, right? You know, it's it'll never be perfect. But we can always strive for it to always be better, and I think that has to come from compromise. Right. Here's my sense of what's happened over time is that we used to used to have an event occur, and then we would have political discussion about what that event means. I think it means this. I think it'll affect this. I think it'll – but we knew the event happened. Right now, you've got things happen, and people can't even agree on what happened. And so they're arguing about what – well, that didn't happen. You're you're just wrong. You're, your facts are wrong. So you've got people arguing from – what they perceive to be their set of facts, mm-hmm. and if you don't agree with their set of facts, well, you're just flat out wrong. Yeah, and, and we're not we're just talking past each other. And that is tough. Yeah. That, yeah. that that is a that 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 is the reality as well. You know, and you know, it's how do you, you know, have a discussion with someone, or how do you, if I'm a policymaker, you know, how do I, you know, try to come to an agreement with another policymaker who just com- thinks completely, you know, different. Mm-hmm or at least goes by a different set of facts and, you know, things that I do. And so it's one of those things where it does, it's happening. You see it happening. Um, and, you know, but we will have to find some way to get over that, you know, that blockade. I think it comes down to, like, where do you get your information? Um, that too. I, w- I was living in Columbia, South Carolina in 2015, 2016. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I, got, I got my information a little differently than how some of my friends were getting uh, their information here in, here in Chicago. Uh, so I had a pulse on on where the country was headed in 2015, 2016 yeah. um, because of where I was at. Yeah. All right. We'll take another break. Final comments here from our two uh, young guests. And, uh, again, they've got a bright future, both of them. Glad to have them with us here today. Back in a moment.
All right, we're at 10.57. Our guests here will have some final comments from them. OSF Ergo is a new modern urgent care service. It's derived from urgent care for people on the go. And OSF Healthcare has found that young, busy professionals like these gentlemen here are looking for something different in a healthcare experience. They want to get in, get their needs met, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, initial injury care or maybe, uh, you know, some minor injuries, common illnesses. You can get uh, site, on-site lab and x-ray services. They have crutches there if you twist your ankle or something and need some care. The, the good news is from start to finish, the average visit to OSF Ergo is under 30 minutes. So you're in and you're out. And you get your needs taken care of in that way. 2718 North Prospect in Champaign near Walmart and Meyer, and also at 2043 South Neal near the Harvest Market in Champaign. they got both ends of town covered there. 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., seven days a week, 365 days a year, OSF Ergo. All right, uh, final quick comments here. we got less than a minute, but uh, Robert Emmons, Jr. and Levante Brooks, I want to thank you for coming in. Thank you. And you would encourage you. people, older or young, to get engaged, right? Yes. Very quickly? That that would be uh, my message at, the, at, you know, it's for everyone, no matter if you're 17, 18, or if you're 73. Uh, the more active and the more engaged you are, the more you participate uh, in our democracy, I think the better it will work for all of us. Same thing, Robert? Yeah, my yeah. closing thoughts will be like, we can disagree on policy, but we should still uh, love each other uh, and see each other as full humans. Mm-hmm. Good advice. You guys are wise beyond your years, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. I'm, st- I'm still learning. <laughs> still learning. Well, still I lots of bumps I, and bruises. I appreciate you guys coming in today. Good luck to you Thank in you. all your endeavors. I'm sure you're going to hear from you. Thank oh, you so much. Road. So thank you very much. Thank that you is so uh, Robert Emmons Jr. and Levante Brooks. All right, uh, that's going to do it for me this week. I'll be back next Wednesday. I'll be with you tomorrow night from St. Louis. The Bragging Rights game, Illinois and Missouri. The Illini women play at noon in about an hour. Dave Lone with that. Have a great weekend, everybody. Merry Christmas. WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. It's 11 o'clock Central Time. Have a great weekend.